Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. It is uh, Sunday. It's the 24th of the 24th of September, and we're still here? No, yeah, say it isn't so. Yeah, well, it is. It's the 24th of September. It's uh, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And uh, let's see here. I got a couple things. I did a Prophecy Update last week. I was so tired, um, you know, working all week. I did not have time to do a regular update. It was on dispensations, and I was still tired here on Sunday morning. So I have a couple things I want to say about that particular update so that you're aware of it. One of the things I said during the update was that um, uh, Matthew was written to the sons of Shem and uh, as the king of the Jews, and then I said that Mark was written to the Romans, and that's not right. It was written to the sons of Ham. So you've got Shem, Ham, and then Japheth, which is Luke, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, which follows the pattern which they're mentioned in the book of Leviticus. I'm sorry, Genesis. So you have Shem being addressed in Matthew Let's see here, Ham being addressed in Mark, and then Japheth being addressed in uh, the book of Luke. And then from there, I explain that John is a different type of gospel with a different purpose, and it is a transitional gospel. So that's something I wanted to correct. And then after I got done, Judy wisely walked up and she said, Charlie, I, I don't understand. I understand the dispensations, but she says, I don't understand the reason why God gave them. And I thought, well, that's what happens when you try to teach when you're tired is you forget to close what you're <laughs> supposed to close. The entire point of the seven dispensations is that man is unable to to do anything without the intervention of God, whether it's in innocence, whether it's in conscience, whether it's in government, all of these dispensations, even in the millennium, which I did not close out the millennium. I said there is a cataclysm or a major occurrence at the end of each dispensation, and in the dispensation of the millennium, we have another one. It's recorded in Gen- I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 20. It's verses 7 through 10, and that is the battle of Gog Magog. We have one Gog Magog coming very soon in redemptive history. It will happen again. That which has been will be again. That which has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun, according to the book of Ecclesiastes. Well, there's going to be Gog and Magog coming again against there to prove that even with the most ideal conditions on earth, with Jesus Christ, God of God and King of Kings, sitting and reigning from his throne, people will still come against God. And this is the point of having these seven dispensations is to show us the utter depravity of man and our desperate need for Christ to redeem us, even from innocence, even from conscience, whatever dispensation, this is the point of that. And uh, so it's something that uh, I apologize for not closing that out last week, but I was and I still am hugely tired. It's just been a long few weeks and some of us here I know have been working very hard um, I uh, have those five properties I have to take care of, and it's just I have a little more to do at one property and a little to move from another property, and I should be done with all of that. But we're getting very quickly back into normal, and uh, the one thing that I have left, which is um, from my fall a couple uh, Monday, two weeks ago, was um, uh, I, I had twisted my wrist, and that's the thing that didn't bother me the most. Suddenly, last Monday during sermon typing, 
it started, my hand was very, very swollen. It hurt bad and uh, because I get up and I start typing about 4 a.m. and it was a long passage and I didn't get done till almost 7 o'clock at night. And by the time I was done, my hand was just, and my wife told me, yeah, look at your hand is big here. Apparently, I think I fractured a bone in my hand. So um, uh, if you get, if you email me and I type you back and there's errors in there, just forget it because I'm not going to go correcting a lot of errors right now. I just, um, but other than that, all is good and um, we're all safe. It was a good adventure and uh, Bob, who opened us, if you get a chance to watch his comments, please do. He told about how the Lord directed him during his time during the uh, the uh, hurricane, and it, it is really wonderful. So please listen to that if you get a chance. Um, somebody to highlight, as I always do, is this week is John Nyberg. Uh, he was a USAF Air Force, okay, tanker crew chief. He was a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, and um, if you don't know what that is, a tanker crew chief is the KC-135s that refuel tanker, I'm sorry, other aircraft in the air. That's what he was doing. He was a crew chief on that. And uh, he's from Spring Butte Township, North Dakota. And he said his grandpa was the first homesteader in this township. And when I traveled around the states in 2010, I actually went very close to this guy's house, and I didn't realize it. So it's kind of funny that I drove there. And, you know, the thing that I thought about North Dakota is you will drive for miles. I mean, literally many, many, many miles, 30-minute drive, and you'll see a house, and you won't see another one for another 30 minutes. And I thought, just think what it was like. We watched Little House on the Prairie or Little Shack on the Flats. Anyway, um, we watched that, and we think those people literally had to go on a cart probably a half day's journey for their daughter to meet some guy to, you know, wow. And today they're still that far apart sometimes. And then you get these towns which are very small. So it's North Dakota was one of my two favorite states in the nation. It was literally beautiful. It it, it was absolutely gorgeous to go through. And uh, I enjoyed it very much. But um, he said, my mom uh, remembers Indians stopping by in ponies to chat before uh, the roads were installed. We're still here on the High Plains at the ranch in southwest North Dakota, which he says is also called West River Country, which means west of the Missouri River, although my work is in Jamestown. Just like the USA, as you go east in North Dakota, things get more liberal, and West River is about as rock-ribbed conservative cowboy country as you can get. Good job. We just finished our annual family reunion known as the shootout. I wonder what happens there. Um, We all get together, compare firearms, and have friendly competition. And uh, my folks led their three sons to Christ out here while making Christian radio shows every week from 1953 to 1994. We have done the same with our children, and I write and record songs and teach guitar when not fixing airplanes. I don't know if they say guitar in North Dakota or if that's a Texas thing, but anyway, guitar. Um, I, wife Rebecca, and five kids greatly enjoy the Prophecy Update and our unashamed conservatism on display in your congregation. Good job, folks. Out here, reality is very real with rattlesnakes, mountain lions, wolves, tornadoes, and winter which I imagine it's really cold up there in the winter. Um, It explains the gut-level conservatism in West River County. Nature is a beautiful thing, but as the saying goes, 20 below keeps the riffraff out. So he closes by saying, stay steadfast in presenting the truth, and let's pray for each other. So we shall do that. And our first category, as always, is Israel. Uh, From Defense News, okay, U.S. breaks ground for new permanent base 
in Israel. We now are establishing a base in Israel. U.S. Army base will uh, house dozens of U.S. soldiers operating under the American flag and charged with the mission of defending against rocket and missile attacks. The base will be an independent facility co-located at the IDF Air Defense School in southern Israel near the desert capital of Beersheba. It's very beautiful down there, but it's a very remote kind of place. If you ever go to Beersheba, you can look out over the the wadi that runs around this one mountain, and it's just desert as far as you can see. It's beautiful. But once completed, the base will house U.S. operational systems to identify and intercept a spectrum of aerial threats, along with barracks, recreational, and other facilities required to support several dozen American air defenders. The purpose of their presence is not for training or for exercises, but rather as a part of a joint effort to sustain and enhance defensive capabilities. Good stuff there. I could have picked one of many articles from like the Times of Israel, Jerusalem Post, Haaretz. They all basically repeated this. But from the Times of Israel, a couple days later, contradicting the IDF, who claimed that it was a base, the United States says it did not establish a military base in Israel. There's suddenly this, this fear that by calling it a base, they will upset the Arab neighbors. That's why I chose the article I just read you. It was from an American defense news report. And so even the Americans are saying it's a base, but they had to retract and they had to try to wash over what they did because you don't want to have these people upset around you that you have an American base in Israel. But we do have an American base in Israel. Good job. From Israel Today. Netanyahu, cooperation between Israel and the Arabs is greater than ever. We've been seeing this more and more. He repeated it again. He said, if there's one silver lining to the Iran nuclear crisis, it's growing cooperation between Israel and its Arab neighbors. It's a huge change, said Netanyahu, while acknowledging that much of the cooperation is not publicly visible since countries like Saudi Arabia still don't have official relations with the Jewish state. So they're doing these behind-the-doors deals. They're not really acknowledging these things, but they are happening. But guess what? Next article. <clears throat> Before I read this, I, have, um, I will report this. I saw another article. Maybe I mentioned it. Do I? Um, I'm going to read you this, and I'll tell you what's on my mind. From Behold Israel, King of Bahrain denounces the Arab boycott of Israel and removes the travel ban, meaning he, his people, his subjects can travel freely to Israel. Okay. Now, the reason why I'm kind of questioning this is because Netanyahu tweeted out that this happened. And then they scrubbed that tweet from their thing. And it, maybe it was because they don't want to offend the other Muslim nations. But this actually happened. This is something that was stated. And then, like I said, there was a bit of a retraction. So they're trying to keep this quiet. This is a prophecy update, and I'm not keeping it quiet. So I'm going to read you the article. The king of Bahrain openly condemned the Arab boycott of Israel and announced that his people are free to visit the Jewish state. Imagine that. The king not only made history by breaking the travel ban to Israel, but was also the first Arab head of state to compose, write, and sponsor a document calling for religious freedom and protection for all religious affiliations in the Middle East. The document calls for people of, this is a quote, people of all faiths to show respect for and protection of the rights of everyone to practice their religious affiliations in dignity and peace. Representatives at the event from Egypt, Azerbaijan, the United Arab Emirates, and Malaysia all reportedly stood 
when Israel's national anthem, Hatikva, was played. Arab nations, unlike our F, uh, NFL and now um, uh, the, uh, what do you call it, baseball, Major League Baseball, they're starting to take knees. The, uh, the, uh, they won't stand for ours, but we have nations that were once at enmity with Israel are now standing for Hatikva. It's amazing. So anyway, um, let's see here. The Arab nation representatives until now typically refused to stand for Israel's anthem. The historic move for Bahrain comes following reports that Saudi Arabia's defense ministry, Saudi priest Mohammed bin Salman, who is the current defense minister and future heir to the throne, was in Israel for a meeting with Israel officials. This was a week ago he was there. Prime Minister Netanyahu stated Israel has created new relations between Israel and the Arab states, which no longer see Israel as an enemy, but as an essential ally against these forces who seek to break humanity's back from a brilliant future to a barbaric one, referring to Iran and radical Islam. Okay, so here's what I did. I read that Monday morning, um, uh, Tuesday morning, I'm sorry, and the first thing I did after reading that article is I emailed the king of Bahrain, and I thanked him for his stand. I applauded him for uh, standing up for the Jewish people, and I haven't heard back from him, but if I do, I will uh, let you know, but I emailed him personally and uh, let him know that. And, you know, if you get a chance, a lot of these little countries like Iran, they used to allow people to email the uh, what's the the president. Like one guy, Aminijab, was in and uh, he was making all these pipsqueak noises against Israel. And so I emailed him. And uh, anyway, I told him I, I cited the Bible and I said, the Bible says you are going to be destroyed. I said, not you personally, but Iran, and I gave him Ezekiel 38 and showed what's going to happen. And eventually, after emailing him a couple times, they took down the uh, link to email the president of Iran because they got sick of hearing from me. But, you know, if you can, email these people and tell them what's on your mind. Let them know that there's Jesus, there is redemption, and you can be on one side or the other. But uh, anyway, uh, from Evolve Politics, Israel has just proposed creating a new country to stabilize the Middle East. Has anybody heard about this? It's made several news services. Um, the concept of a greater Kurdistan. Cut it right out of Turkey, Iran, and Iraq. Just cut out the Kurd nation. Okay, Israel is supporting this, and this is really important. Um, it, uh, greater Kurdistan has once again been brought to the geopolitical forefront. Our president or somebody in the administration said, please don't do this. Other nations are saying, please don't do this. But Israel sees this as the right thing to do. And so they've openly acknowledged this. The proposal was made on September 7th by former Israeli Defense Chief Major General Golan during a meeting of the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. It was then reiterated first by Israeli Justice Minister Ayelet Shaked and then Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. They are all in agreement that Kurdistan deserves its own nation, okay? From the Jerusalem Post, as a result of that, Kurds are flying Israeli flags at independence rallies. Wow. In recent weeks, Israel flags appeared frequently among the sea of Kurdish flags at pro-independence rallies across Europe and in the Kurdistan region of northern Iraq. In Cologne in late August and then Geneva and Oslo, Israel flags waved proudly by attendees. On September 16th, the blue and white appeared at rallies in Brussels, Hamburg, and Stockholm. The unprecedented embrace of the Israeli flag comes amidst Israel's support for Kurdish rights and historic connections between the two nations. 
good stuff from yes there is a big vote on that tomorrow and i hope that they will do this it will certainly be quashed by their enemies but i hope that kurdistan votes positively for it anyway from voice of american news just the title israel's backing of iraqi kurds independence vote strains ankara ties they already have uh ties which are strained with ankara we know that turkey is going to align with iran they're already starting to do that they will be a part of the gog magog alliance coming against israel this is just one more thing to uh strain the ties even further new york times just the title israel's military exemption for ultra orthodox is ruled unconstitutional up until this time, the ultra-Orthodox in the land of Israel have been exempt from military service. That is no longer the case. It is unconstitutional there. They must serve. And you look at these people and they say that they are the ones that are the righteous. They, you know, they are the ones that are, are following the values of God and all this. Well, if they would pick up this Bible, they would see that defending their nation is not just a, an honor. It's a right. It's, it's something that they should be doing. David, you know, hired the men of Israel to defend the land of Israel. And so to me, it is cowardice that they are, uh, you know, have been saying all along that they're not going to participate. It's, they can say it's religious exemption and it's this, and I, I disagree with that. On the last page of the Bible, one of the things that Jesus says, one of the groups of people that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven are cowards, okay? We have a, a duty and a responsibility to protect the people around us, the people that we love. If you are cowardly, you need to get over that because that's something that the Lord says right on the last page of the Bible. The do- outsider, the dogs and the, you know, the mutilators or whatever and the cowards, he adds them in. We need to not be cowardly in our lives, okay? Anyway, I just, I, yes. Israeli citizens found their exemption to be quite offensive. They, oh. they were just like, you know, who the heck are these people? Yeah, absolutely. Most of the citizens there found that that exemption to be offensive. That's exactly right. And so uh, it's finally time that they do this. And I have no problem. In America, we have people that do not serve and they do it based on religious grounds, misguided as it is. But uh, my grandfather was one. He was a, a Quaker. He came over with William Penn on the boat with William Penn back in 16 whatever. And um, he didn't. His family line did. They've been Quakers all along and they are pacifists. It is a misguided analysis of scripture, okay? The verses that they use are not in the proper context, but that was uh, brought into them. My f- grandfather was a doctor. He uh, believed in saving human life, and uh, but there is a time to take human life. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 3 again. There are certain things that we must do in our lives, and one of them is to defend the people around us, okay? Anyway, if you have the ability, some people just don't have the ability. Charlie, yes? My son was grappling the other day we were discussing the passage in have him email me and, or you email me I'll talk about it okay? okay I will get you that information definitely 100% because I am opposed to that uh, that type of theology where we are uh, you know not uh, not serving and defending the nation that we get the rights from okay so email me with any of his questions and I will talk with him or you directly okay definitely um, from uh, Ynet Israel's population numbers as of Rosh Hashanah, which was just a couple days ago, 8,743,000, okay? 181,405 babies were born in Israel in 2016, while 25,977 new immigrants made Aliyah. 
74.6% of the population are Jews, while 20.9% are Arabs. Most Israelis live in cities, while 67.6% own their own homes. Imagine that. So there you go. Great statistics. And from AP News, U.S. aviator, this is not really prophecy related unless you believe in the establishment of Israel as a prophetic event, okay? Bob has that series of videos. It's checked out right now, but if he allows you and uh, you want to watch it, I suggest you watch it. It's about the um, uh, establishment of the state of Israel. It is marvelous. It is. Uh, Burke is watching it right now, who's here on Thursday nights, and he's on the last video. He's going to bring it back this week. He is just, he's going to order it himself. It's so good. So anyway, um, U.S. aviator who helped form Israeli Air Force dies at 94. This is not an Israeli. He is an American, but he helped establish this. And I believe he was one of the people mentioned in that series. Uh, Mitchell Flint, an American aviator who helped form the Israeli Air Forces in 1948 and served in Israel's first fighter squadron, has died. He was 94. Flint, a former U.S. Navy fighter pilot, was one of the founding members of Mahal, a group of non-Israelis who fought in the 1948 Arab-Israeli War. He was one of the original members of the Israeli Air Force's fighter squadron and helped train Israel's first military pilots. Flint and others, uh, other members of the Mahal had flown in German planes that were captured during World War II and covered, get this, the Nazi insignia with Stars of David. Is that not ironic? He flew and rebuilt Messerschmitts, Germany's main fighter plane during World War II, as well as Mustangs and Spitfires. When he returned to the U.S., Flint moved to Los Angeles and became a lawyer. He continued flying until his last year. He was proud of what he did to the very end. So we salute that gentleman. Wow, he is. that is a history-making individual there. Yeah, except the lawyer part. That's right. Nah, I got a couple good lawyer friends. Uh, we love you, Bill, if you're watching right now. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, from Christian News Today, before I uh, read my first article, um, a viewer who is a close friend of mine has a sister who is um, politically correct. Uh, she thinks she's a good person and that all paths lead to God. She's a world traveler. She speaks several languages, and he is asking for prayer that in a trip to Israel, the Lord will open her eyes. And so I uh, would uh, make sure that I would say that to you, that we should all be in prayer for her. And uh, whether it's in Israel or whether it's somewhere else, it has to happen. Or, you know, there's no such thing as a good person, and there's no such thing that all paths lead to God. There's one path, and that is through Jesus Christ. So... We'll uh, certainly have her in prayer. Let's do that really quickly. Heavenly Father, we do pray for this uh, person's sister. We pray that her eyes would be open to the truth of Jesus Christ and that uh, uh, somehow you would divinely intervene in her path and send somebody willing to speak about the Lord. And when she has a negative comment, that he will be able to very clearly and precisely override that and to get her thinking about the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. We pray this, that she will be saved and that you will be glorified through it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Christian news from the Christian Post. Bible belonging to World War II Scottish war hero, the Tartan Pimpernel makes historic Homecoming, Kind of like the last article I read a minute ago is that um, this is not something really prophecy related unless you believe that people work um, in this life to honor the Lord with their lives 
uh, despite the things that are going on around them, okay? And so uh, I'm including this because of that reason. He was in World War II, and it says um, the Reverend Dr. Donald Caskey was known in World War II as the Tartan Pimpernel, remembered for helping save more than 2,000 lives during the war. So this person was willing to step out as a reverend and to say, I am not going to take what is going on in the world around me right now, okay? And those 2,000 people were saved, and many of them may have gone on to be saved in Christ, and they may have told other people. So if we don't get out there and do our jobs when we're called to do so, such as the cowards I mentioned earlier, then you are, all you're doing is bringing a disgrace upon yourself and upon the Lord. So here we go. Um, now his nephew has gifted the Reverend's Gaelic Bible to the Scots Kirk in Paris, the church Donald led when Germany invaded France in 1940. This Bible was used by the Reverend at the time, who used the Gaelic language to hide sensitive information from the enemy. Kasky had denounced the Nazis from his pulpit and had to flee when the Germans invaded. But instead of seeking safety in the United Kingdom, he remained on in mainland Europe and instead went to Marseille, France, where he lived a double life. He was eventually um, hired by British uh, intelligence. He was captured. He did survive through the war, but we'll go on. Uh, he remained on mainland Europe and went instead to Marseille, France, where he lived a double life, running a seaman's mission and secretly helping British and Allied soldiers through the mountains and into Spain. He was later recruited by British intelligence to continue in his work protecting the military there. So, as I said, we have the uh, with the Black Robe Regiment here in America, people that follow along after the guy that um, in the Revolutionary War, he was a pacifist. He says, I'm not getting involved in this conflict between England and America. And finally, he, he realized that that was the wrong stand to make. And he, uh, while giving a sermon on Sunday morning, started taking off his black robe, and below it he was wearing, I believe, a colonel's uniform of the um, colonial army. And he says, I am going out to do what is right there's a time where we can sit in the pulpit and we can complain all day long about the things in the world around us, but there's a time where we have to get out and we have to say, I am going to stand for what is right. And this person here did that. People were saved, and he was willing to lay his own life on the line in order to do that. So this is something that's important. And um, I forgot to read one quick article uh, from the Israel section. This is from IDF blog. The IDF sends aid delegation to Mexico. So once again, I, uh, Israel steps forward, and they have sent people into the land of Mexico where there was a uh, bad earthquake and many people have died and they're helping people out. I don't see that from many other countries, but Israel always sends people to help others out. Okay, back into Christian news from the Brisbane Times. Legalized same-sex marriage for the common good, says Catholic priest. Yes, okay, I've got a point about this article in a minute. In a marked departure from other Catholic leaders and many coalition conservatives, Jesuit priest Frank Brennan said any concerns about religious freedom should be set aside until after a successful yes vote in the postal survey. They're going through the survey right now, should Australia you know, go gay or not, all right? And he turned opponents' fears on their heads, saying the increasing prevalence of same-sex couples with children was an argument in favor of marriage equality and not an argument against it. The legalization of same-sex marriage in like-minded countries such as Britain and New Zealand was also a reason to support change, he said, to provide consistency for couples who move around the world. So the Bible doesn't matter. Theology doesn't matter. This country has done it, and so we should do it because they've done it. So he's, he's going by the mass votes or the polls in order to make his theological decisions. 
Trend, that's right, trending rules. Now, my point on this is that we saw the Pope of the Catholic Church some time ago rebuke a um, minister or a, I think it was a cardinal down in Africa, and the priests blow him, and they demanded that they acknowledge his appointment of this cardinal, if you remember that. He absolutely demanded, or give up your, uh, you know, you're defrocked. You give up your right as a priest. Why can't he do that with this pervert? Right? Why can't he take a stand when he does this on something like that? It shows you that they have an agenda in the Catholic Church. There's no doubt about it. We need to be apprised of these things for this reason. Okay, from the Telegraph. Most Church of England Christians never read the Bible, survey finds. Well, I can tell you that most Christians never read the Bible, period. After the nonsense we went through with the last week, 23 September rapture stuff, that's a clear indication that most Christians never read their Bible. I'll give some comments on that in just a minute. Figures show that 60% of self-declared followers of the church admit they never read the Bible, and 36% say they never attend church. One in three say they never pray. More than half of those who identified as Christians across all denominations admitted they never read the Bible, and one in three said they never attend church. While 51% of those who took part in the survey said they were Christian, just 6% of those polled read the Bible, prayed, and attended church at least once a week. 6%. Those who said they were followers of the Church of England were the least observant. Not surprising at all. Okay, here's some uh, comments on our final issue of Christian News today. This morning, John Haller and I were emailing back and forth. If you don't know who he is, he's got a, a prophecy update that he does up in Ohio. And um, he's one of the sound prophecy updates. There's a lot of nonsense out there. He's one of the ones that's very sound. And uh, he sent me a, a link to this guy. Maybe some of you have watched some of his videos. I think it's Robert Breaker or Breaker or something. Anyway, he said, um, uh, I was going back and forth saying what a waste of time this was as far as this 23 September nonsense. And he came back and he sent me a, a, another video that this guy had done. And he said, um, talk about a waste of time. And he sent that on. And the title of the uh, update, which just came out, it's a new one. He said, the Apostle Paul is the first date setter. Okay, and so he is saying that uh, the Apostle Paul is setting dates in there, and we can know when the rapture is according to what the Apostle Paul writes. So, a couple points about that. One, he was wrong about 23 September. Okay, listen to this. That 23 September uh, video of his, 10.1 million views by the time it closed out 23 September. If you were to take all of the, uh, another guy, a friend of mine that was emailing between the three of us, did a search, and there were over 80 million hits on this particular issue. And he figured it out, and maybe I wrote it down. I don't know if I did. I did not. Um, uh, I didn't. But it comes out to like 152 man years of time that was wasted on this nonsense. As Bob called it earlier in the, uh, the church when he opened us, he said, silly predictions from overzealous men. And I would say that this is a real problem. It, it borders on heresy because Jesus, let me read you what it says in the Bible about this particular issue. Date setting is inappropriate. It is wrong. And if you say that you can know when the rapture is and you take all of these stupid predictions and you apply them to your life, you are actually working against what the Lord said. So I'm going to read you this particular verse. It's right out of Acts chapter 1. I've cited it many times, but I'm going to read it directly from the Bible so that hopefully people will learn what the Lord said, the very last thing he said to the people of Israel, the disciples, these are now church-age people, okay? They asked him a question. They said, um, uh, 
Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They asked him, they're thinking kingdom. They're not thinking church. His answer, he said, and to them, he said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. In other words, you have a job to do. Go out and tell about Jesus. If we had spent those 152 man years of time reading our Bible and learning theology instead of that type of nonsense, we'd be a lot better off. We have news services that have now picked up on this and that have said how disgraceful it is what has happened with this 23 September, and it is disgraceful. It's brought dishonor in the name of the Lord. It's brought dishonor in the name of Christianity and Christians because of this date setting. It is not something that we're to do. And in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul repeats, he repeats what the Lord said. He said, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. And he goes on to explain why. It's because we are not going to know those things. He is not the first date setter. He spoke against this. Do not watch those videos. And this is not a jealousy thing. I guarantee you that John Huller was not jealous of those 10.1 million views. He was appalled at it. Absolutely appalled at the lack of theology that goes on in the world today. If you would spend as much time reading this book as you would watching those insane predictions, you would have right theology. You would know what to do about your relationship with the Lord. When your life goes south, you would know how to handle it. You would know what the Lord is trying to tell you in the Old Testament, leading into the new and the glory of what Christ did in the new. So I'll read you a couple titles on this particular issue. Um, Christian numerologist says the world will end on September 23rd, that was at the beginning of the week, and then what happens on the day when it realized that it wasn't going to happen? Mail Online, Doomsday Prophet, who predicted the apocalypse on Saturday, now postpones the rapture, but insists it's the beginning of the end. So what they've done is they've taken all of these events, which all of these predictions that they keep making, Jonathan Kahn made one, and then we have the four blood moons, which became popular under um, that guy out in Texas. Uh, anyway, and, but somebody else had come up with that, and they have all of these things, and they keep saying, well, see, this is pointing to, and we're going to know when the day comes. And so they just keep stringing people along, and they just keep stringing along, because every time you click on one of those stupid videos, they make money. They make money. So... Don't do that, and I have one word for anybody that wants to continue this particular uh, uh, line of thought, and while I'm doing that, I would like to uh, say that a lot of people barbecued me over the past three or four months because of me saying nothing's going to happen on September 23. I had people accuse me of not knowing what I'm talking about and on and on and on, you know, defriending me on Facebook and saying all of these mean things, and I guarantee you not one of them will email and say, you know what, I was wrong. Not one of them. So there you go. It means nothing to me. It's shoddy theology. It's bad handling of the Bible. And this is, this is my description of these people. This is from Proverbs 26, which most of these people would not be able to find Proverbs in their Bible. It says in verse 11, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Stop making predictions and stop watching people that do. Islam today from Baghdad Post, Iran, Iraq to synchronize power grids within months. This is important. These two nations are, you know what, years ago, I was watching Les Feldick one time, and if you want good theology, you want to learn your Bible, watch Les Feldick, Through the Bible with Les Feldick. He is outstanding. He's an old guy in his 90s. He's a farmer, and he simply drives to churches all around his area, 
and he teaches the Bible. And he, he's got a little show online that you can watch and you can download any of his, his things, Les Feldick through the Bible. Anyway, Les Feldick was talking about the uh, Gog Magog battle that's coming. And he said, somebody emailed him and he said, you know, Iraq isn't mentioned in Gog Magog. And he said, you know, I never noticed that. We've got Persia and we've got Russia and we've got um, uh, Turkey and we've got Libya, but, but Iraq isn't mentioned. And at the time, America had gone in and we had taken care of Iraq. And so it seemed that they're going to go around Iraq in order to attack Israel. And then our next president came in and gave away the farm that 4,500 of our soldiers died for. And instead of them going around Iraq, Iraq is now becoming a part of the original Persian Empire. And so we can see that things are actually lining up differently than we would have thought a couple years ago. Prophecy is meant for us to see after the fact, but we can start to put pieces together before the fact. And this is something these two nations are becoming joined at the hip. Here's what it says. Deputy Iranian Energy Minister says power grids of Iran and Iraq will be interconnected in mid-November. They're going to be on one power source. Iran is ready to make or take a serious part in reconstruction of the Iraqi electricity grid once terrorists have been eliminated from the area. Highlighted the official also uh, voicing the country's readiness to engage seriously in three sectors, including reconstruction of Iraq's production, distribution, and transmission lines with participation of the Iranian private sector. The Persian Empire is coming back. Okay, Western journalism. Trump vows he will never allow Iran to take over Syria as Khomeini issues new threats against the U.S., President Trump vowed he would not let Israel's security interests in the Middle East be harmed, nor will he allow an Iranian takeover of Syria to occur. The U.S. won't let Iran gain control over Syria. The U.S. won't leave Israel alone in the battlefield, Trump said in a meeting on the issue, according to a senior White House official. Israel has an ally in our president. All right. From the Express, they've pulled up the drawbridge. Junker, who is in charge of the EU right now, Junker rules out Turkey joining the EU. Okay, a few years ago, Turkey was set to join the EU. They're a member of NATO, and all of a sudden, they are not going to join the EU. Guess what? They're going to move east, exactly as the Bible said. We are seeing Bible prophecy lining up right before our eyes. The president of the European Commission, Jean-Claude Juncker, has said today Turkey will not be joining the European Union in the foreseeable future in a flagship speech. From Jerusalem Post, Second Turkish Republic looks east for new alliances. Speaking of Turkey, Turkey this week announced its purchase of the S-400 anti-aircraft missile system from Russia instead of buying something from the United States. The deal is worth $2.5 billion. This surprise development is the latest milestone in Ankara's ongoing drift in recent years away from its traditional strategic position in the region as a NATO and U.S. ally. The recent visit of Iranian Chief of Staff Bagheri to Ankara, which I highlighted twice now, accompanied by a large military delegation, was an additional indicator of the direction of events. This was the first such visit since the Iranian Revolution of 1979. Turkey's close involvement in the Russian-brokered Astana diplomatic process regarding Syria reflects this trend as does the signing in Moscow in mid-August of a contract between the Turkish unit international company, Russia's state-owned Zaub, 
Bezneft and the Iranian Gadir Investment Holding for the joint development of three oil fields and a large natural gas field in Iran. Once again, Russia, Persia, and Turkey all listed in one article. Here we go. Next article. Reuters. I got a couple titles for you. Hamas dissolves Gaza administration in Palestinian unity bid. They are now got the PA and Hamas and they are starting to work together again for the first time in quite a few years. From the Guardian, Hamas signals readiness to end Fatah feud and hold Palestinian elections or Palestinian elections. Times of Israel. Hamas says it accepts Abbas's reconciliation demands. From Ynet, Fatah welcomes Hamas pledge to try to end Palestinian split. And then finally, from the Times of Israel, Hamas invites Abbas to resume control of Gaza. Terror group head says he will dismantle the committee that has been governing Gaza in a bid to show seriousness of reproachment effort. So once again, they're going to be on both sides of Israel. Israel's in the middle. They'll get all the blame for everything, which they always have anyway. But Mongolia News, uh, Scott who went over to Mongolia, there is a video, which you can see online. It's uh, entitled, Scott's Debrief, Mongolia Missions Trip. So those who helped send that boy over there, if you want to watch, he gives a testimony in his church. Um, I, I could give you the YouTube link, but it's a lot of numbers and you wouldn't, you know, anyway. Just email me if you want the link or just type in Scott's Debrief, Mongolia Missions Trip, and it will come up and you can watch his what he did over there. So it's very nice. Uh, from Sky Sports, Golfer. Anybody here golf? I, then, then nobody's got their hand up. Okay, good church. Um, <laughs> golfer sets record for longest golf hole ever played in Mongolia. Former rugby player Adam Rolston started his epic adventure at Kui Tent Peak on June 29th and finished earlier this week. So from June 29th until September, he's been one hole. He's been working on it, okay? Um, let's see here. Um, holding out from seven feet on the 18th green at Bogd Golf Club in Ulaanbaatar, believed to be the only course in the country. Rolston and his caddy, Ron Rutland, trekked across the country for 80 days, with Rolston hitting 20,093 shots at an average of around 250 per day. While he lost 150 of the 400 golf balls they started out with, the intrepid pair negotiated hills, rivers, swamps, and desert as they raised a huge sum of money for Laureus Sport for Good and the South African Golf Development Board. And their achievement is expected to be recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest golf hole ever played. Very cool. All right, Daniel 12 technology today. Scientists have stored light. Anybody read this article, how they stored light? This is really cool, and this will make an amazing computer. They have problem with computers using light because it's too fast, okay? And they they need to find a way to slow down the light. How do you think they did it? They converted it into sound. Scientists have stored light as sound for the first time in a breakthrough that could lead to super fast computers. Scientists created a breakthrough microchip from chalcogenide gas. The microchip converts light into sound briefly before turning it back into light. While light is a good carrier of data, its speed can be a nuisance in computers. But this acoustic buffer could help to slow the light down enough to be useful. And then from Science Alert on the same article, this conversion is critical if we ever want to shift from our current inefficient electronic computers to light-based computers that move data at the speed of light. 
light-based or photonic computers have the potential to run at least 20 times faster than your laptop, not to mention the fact that they won't produce heat or suck up energy like existing devices. This means that computers could have the benefits of data delivered by light, high speeds, no heat caused by electronic resistance, and no interference from electromagnetic radiation, but would also be able to slow that data down enough so that computer chips could do something useful with it. Isn't that interesting? Mail online. Oh, wow, this just gets you right here. Dust to drain. Cremation that dissolves bodies into ash and liquid that's treated through municipal water facilities. Yes. It's called alkaline hydrolysis. It's a process that combines water and chemicals at high temperatures in a metal machine to cremate human bodies. The system leaves pacemakers and metal implants intact with an option to recycle them, whereas flame cremation requires such items to be removed before a body is placed in a machine. It's called resomation or biocremation yields 33% more ash that can be returned to the families. Yay, I got more of dad. Mr. Fisher says, Mr. Fisher likens the action with a resomator, which takes approximately four hours to a whirlpool bath. It's kind of a gross bath there. But anyway, if you don't want to get uh, buried or if you don't want to be cremated, now you can be liquid cremated, apparently. Isn't that gross? Anyway, and, uh, you know, if you want to know about cremation, a lot of people have questions about that. Can a person be cremated? Do we need to be buried? Um, I am in disagreement with the school I went to on that particular issue. It was a part of the morality section. They said that Christians should not be cremated. And some denominations, like the Church in Christ, say that if you're cremated, you can't be saved and all that kind of crazy stuff. Listen, people are blown up in bombs that are totally vaporized. People are eaten by sharks. What happens to this body makes zero difference. What matters is that Jesus Christ has saved our souls. If you're a person that wants to get legalistic on cremation, I understand that people have these things in their head from when they're young, but please don't email me. There's nothing in Scripture that justifies this. The Old Testament, they bury bodies, and so suddenly that becomes prescriptive for the New Testament. It doesn't work that way, okay? But just so you know, there's nothing wrong with being cremated. There's nothing wrong with being eaten by a shark other than it hurting really badly, okay? (laughs) Bodies decompose back to the dust from which they came. It doesn't matter how you get to that point. You are going to get to that point unless the Lord comes first. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay, so we'll go on. Revelation plagues today from the times of India. Swine flu cases crossed the 7,000 mark in India, 415 deaths. Amid the rosy claims of the Gujarat government of controlling the H1N1 infection, the state on Sunday recorded 62 new swine flu cases, taking the total number of cases to 7,005 in the state this year. The death march also continued with three more patients succumbing to swine flu. With this, 415 deaths have been recorded in the state this year. And you know what? It's a, it's a country with a lot of people. They're very close. And if it gets out of hand, there will be a lot of deaths. So we would pray that wouldn't happen. From Zero Hedge, Florida farmers say Irma's damage is the worst ever seen. The eyewall came right over our main production area. Irma destroyed almost one half of the citrus crops in the central Florida area, meaning prices are likely to go up sharply. If you like orange juice, go buy it now. Okay, Many destroyed groves of oranges and grapefruit were actually approaching harvest, too. But... 
After Irma blew through, it left 50 or 60% of the fruit lying in water or on the ground. Many trees were standing in water, a mortal danger if their roots stay submerged for longer than three or four days. About one quarter of the country's sugar production comes from fields of sugarcane near Lake Okeechobee. Harvest season for the sugarcane crop is only a few weeks away, but Irma knocked much of the cane down, making it more difficult to harvest. We won't know the exact extent of that loss until it's harvested. So orange juice and sugar may be real commodities here very shortly. From Morality Today, from the Free Beacon, former CIA director resigns his position at Harvard after Chelsea Manning, the guy that was a traitor to the United States and then a convert from a male to a female, becomes a senior fellow. Harvard made this person a senior fellow. But all is not lost. Mail online. Harvard withdraws Chelsea Manning's fellowship after outrage at disgraceful honor to American traitor. They got the picture, but Harvard is on its way out as anything decent. We've seen that time and time again. The fact that they were even willing to entertain this shows how absolutely bad they are. Don't go to Harvard. Doesn't fellow imply gender? Yeah, fellow implies gender, doesn't it? That's right. From Jerusalem Post. Israel to amend adoption law, give same-sex couples equal rights. They had said, we're not going to do that. It turned into a huge thing over there. They're going to do it. From the Washington Times, Oregon governor celebrates. We already had this. It's already passed, but now they're having a celebration of it. Celebrates the law making abortions free for all, including illegal immigrants. To lead productive and thriving lives, Oregonians must have the ability to control their bodies and make informed decisions about their health care. Ms. Brown, a Democrat, said in a statement. I am proud to sign legislation that expands access to basic reproductive health services for all Oregonians, regardless of where they live, where they come from, or how they identify as a person. What a mental idiot. Governor Brown celebrating abortion and averting moderation is nothing new. The $10.2 million legislation allocates $500,000 to pay for abortions for women who would otherwise be eligible for the state's Medicaid program if it weren't for their immigration status. So now they're just, you know, funding this willy-nilly. Just terrible stuff from Oregon. Oregon, I guess you say the gun. Okay, thank you. From uh, our other category today, from Channel 4. Potentially deadly bomb ingredients are frequently bought together on Amazon. You know how when you buy something on Amazon and it says other people who have bought this also bought that? They found a disturbing trend. This is in England, but I guarantee if we were to look for these in America, same thing. Here we go. Ingredients for black powder and thermite are grouped together under a frequently bought together section on listings for specific chemicals. Amazon's customers who bought this item also bought section also offers steel ball bearings, push button switches, battery connectors and cables. Elsewhere, Amazon offers igniter cord for sale used to ignite explosive devices and pyrotechnics. This is listed alongside an electronic ignition system that allows for remote detonations. It's possible to create a shopping basket of 99 pounds of bomb ingredients right on Amazon. And they know this is happening because the the computer has generated this. Other people bought these things. This is bad news. This is really bad news that people are out there doing this right now. From Zero Hedge, just the title, this weekend Chicago Shoot-A-Rama, Rama Manuel, Ram, Shoot-A-Rama, 10 dead, 30 wounded, 500 homicides year to date. 
bad news in Chicago. It's That's what happens when you elect Democrats, liberals, progressives, whatever you want to call them, you're going to get this from Zero Hedge. Let's see here. Hungary builds a wall, cuts illegal immigration by over 99%. Hungary has slashed illegal immigration by over 99% after rolling out a series of powerful border fences in response to the EU migrant crisis, possibly providing a lesson as to the potential impact of constructing President Trump's much-discussed southern wall in the United States. 99%. From the L.A. Times, fearful of Trump's America, asylum seekers from across the globe stream into Canada. Every Good, he says. Every hour or so. I know the people in Canada. I love you. I'm sorry this is happening to you. I, I, am, I feel bad for the people that don't want this in their nation. But here we go. Every hour or so, a taxi pulls up at the end of a remote country road in upstate New York and deposits another load of passengers. From here, it is steps across a gully to the Canadian province of Quebec, where police stand ready to arrest anyone who enters illegally. Undeterred, the travelers drag their suitcases across a makeshift dirt bridge past a sign that declares in French and English, no pedestrians, and surrender to waiting officers. They are a part of surge of asylum seekers from Haiti, Sudan, Turkey, Eritrea, and beyond who have been streaming into Canada in recent months, hoping for refuge they believe will be denied them in the United States. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police intercepted nearly 3,000 of the asylum seekers at this one, that one illicit crossing in July, nearly four times the number apprehended in June. In the first two weeks of August, 3,700 more were taken into custody. Police say they first noticed an increase in illegal crossings around the time of the U.S. election in November, and many of the asylum seekers say they have lost hope that America will accept them as long as President Trump remains in office. If they didn't come here illegally in the first place, they wouldn't have to be doing this. That's the whole point of this, is if you are coming here legally, come there's, we've always had our doors open to the masses, but you must do things legally. Otherwise, you are illegal and you'll be sent back. It, it just makes sense from the EU observer. Junker, a second time, calls for United European Union under one leader. Exactly what the Bible said would happen. There would be a man of sin, a man of lawlessness, and he will be there in the EU, or whatever it will be called at that time, but he's calling for a single leader. One of his key ideas is to merge the, you know, how Lindsay said this back in the 80s, and everybody called him a false prophet, and here it's happening right in our, our life, our week, our week, okay, it says one of his key ideas is to merge the presidencies of the EC and the European Council into a single position in order to have one clear leader of the European Union. Europe would be easier to understand if one captain was steering the ship, he argued. Junker also advocated for a Europe that is more active on the global stage in trade and foreign policy. The commission chief also reached out to Central and Eastern European member states amid concerns that differences on migration, which we've seen all of those Eastern states putting up the barrier like I just read, rules for posted workers and democratic worries in Hungary and Poland are renewing an East-West divide within the bloc. Without specifically mentioning Hungary and Poland, Junker warned the two countries to respect the rule of law. They're coming in illegally. What is the rule of law? And the rulings of the European Court of Justice. Recently, Poland has defied ECJ rulings on logging in the primeval 
Bialoisa Forest, and Hungary is reneged on EU migration quotas. The judgments of the court have to be respected by all, he says. To undermine them or to undermine independence of national courts is to strip citizens of their fundamental rights. Dunker said, they're not citizens. They're not anything. They belong in Syria, and yet they're forcing them on these people. Okay, we'll go on. Uh, oh, just uh, Lesrick, it's more of a poem this week. His wife, Kathy, did this. Dead in a whirlpool, turning dust to dust, leaves the metal useful, only melts our crust. So there you go. Good job. And let's see here, a couple of uh, ironies of the week for you. But before I do that, I'll remind you that Sergio and Rhoda's video will be posted at the end of the Prophecy Update. It's about six minutes long, and it is packed with fun today. It is very good. It's uh, something that you will absolutely love. It, it really is. It's uh, You know, something just came to mind. I was watching Star Trek last night. And um, it was the one, if you remember Harry Mudd, and he always had the pretty girls around him, and one of them was where he had the, the robots, the, the women robots, and there were a couple men robots, but anyway, they uh, were all subservient to Harry Mudd. And at the end, they had to wipe out the robots in order for them to escape back to the Enterprise with their crew, okay? And they, the lead robot was named Norman, okay? And in that particular issue, the way that they got Norman to fry his brain so that they, they could get away was they used what is known as the Epimenides Paradox. And I saw that last night, and I said, that's right out of the Bible. So if you want to know what the Epimenides Paradox is, go look it up online. Or actually, I'll tell you, it's where Paul says that all Cretans are liars. Okay? That's a paradox. Because if all Cretans are liars, the way that he, he says this statement is true. And it was a Cretan that he was citing. Well, if a Cretan said that all Cretans are liars, then he can't be telling the truth. But all Cretans are liars, so he must be telling the truth and not telling the You see what I'm saying? That's how they got Norman destroyed. They gave him the Epimenides paradox. He said, now listen carefully. This guy is going to tell the truth. But he never tells the truth. And he says, well, he told the truth, but he didn't tell the truth. And smoke comes out of his ears and he blows up, right? Anyway, so the Bible is all through Star Trek. That's why I love that series. You just watch for the little nuances. Just came to mind. Wonderful stuff. Okay, so anyway, um, from uh, don't forget to watch Sergio and Rhoda's video. And then from Fox News, Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. On DACA, which is that act that, um, the, okay. Planned Parenthood on DACA. Everyone has the right to live. Imagine that. Okay, yes. And then from Weasel Zippers, just think of the source when I read you the end. North Korea, okay, think of the source. North Korean Peace Committee says that the U.S. should be beaten to death like a rabid dog. So that's their Peace Committee recommendation, okay? So such is the world we live in. And so from Sarasota, Florida, to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia... And Spring Butte, North Dakota, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word. It's the 24th of September. We're still here. And that's your Prophecy Update for the week.